It's pretty awesome to see about four rows clear from that back section to come up here and dedicate children to the Lord. Well, good morning. What a Sunday. It's kind of a, a neat Sunday, a lot of things going on. Um, baby dedication, awesome to see different uh, children being dedicated to the Lord, decisions being made by the parents, relatives, taking a part of that. We have a little bit of a restoration preview today. The service will be devoted a little bit to that to give you kind of a, a little bit of a teaser uh, for the restoration this year. Um, and it's, it's really a, a special Sunday to me personally because 17 years ago on this Sunday of January of 1995, I gave my heart to God for real. So it's been 17 years since I've done that, and that was this Sunday, January of 1995, when I was a sophomore in high school, I decided I'm tired of sitting in church and getting nothing out of it. So I've had my hands to the plow, and I haven't looked back, so be encouraged, because it's possible. I waited until I was married, I didn't have a sip of alcohol through college, didn't kiss another girl in college and cheat on my wife, wore a wedding band all the way through college. It's possible, and all the glory goes to God for that. So, And we're still going strong. We had a great weekend last weekend. We celebrated all weekend long. We had another one of our leaders take the service last week, so thank you, Chase, for doing that, and all the leaders of the youth ministry. Um, this is uh, this is kind of a neat Sunday. There's a bunch of things going on. And like Pastor said, we you know always uh, typically have a little bit of bad weather, and the parking lot is an absolute sheet of ice. Did anybody fall down? Praise God. It, it was kind of tricky, especially the front parking lot, so we're glad that none of you got hurt. Um, what I want to do this morning, first of all, is uh, if none of you have heard of the restoration, I want to be sensitive to the visitors here this morning. This is an event that we have put on now. This is our fifth annual event. It's an attempt to kind of shake and wake up our city. It's, a, it's an attempt to wake up the youth of our city. We know that there's a really good chance of revival breaking out when it starts with the young people because they're just kind of shameless. They don't really care what other people think. And if they catch wind of something and a lot of things and fads and things that come along down the pike and just different things that come in style or whatever is popular, they jump on very quickly. And we're really hoping that God is able to, through an environment of obedience and that, that we create, that he's able to move. Because we know that God is not going to be able to do these things in school because he's not allowed in school. And we know that the majority of homes are not raised up their children in the admonition of the Lord. So we're talking about teenagers, and this group has been geared towards anywhere from 12 years old to 24 years old. That is the content, that is what we are delivering from stage, is things that will relate to that age group. We've also been opening it up. We had some 10-year-olds there last year. We had a 7-year-old there last year. We had grandparents there. We had a parent breakout session last year to be able to speak to parents because it starts in the home. Amen? So we wanted to make sure that we incorporated all of that, and it's kind of branched out to really whoever wants to go and buy a ticket, you can go and get ministered to and, and kind of see what God is doing in the lives of our young people and the youth of our city right here in our hometown and county. So this morning's message title, I am going to present the word that's going to 
Um, hoping and praying that it progresses very nicely by the grace and the Spirit of God, and that everything uh, that is done here this morning and said will be honored by God. And uh, it's been a, a crazy week, and you're going to find out a little bit more of that. But I'm going to give you hope this morning. I'm going to give you some encouragement. I'm going to give you maybe a second or 99th wind uh, to be able to move on in your situation, to be able to trust God. Because how many know that God can? Now, whether he does or not, that doesn't even matter. How many knows that he can? Do you hear, are you God this morning? Are we God? Do we decide if we want something to happen and we say, well, it's in your hands, God. However, I prefer it to happen this way. We do that a lot with God. We direct God, we counsel God, we advise God on what we, what we want him to do in our situation because we think that we know best. But that is not true. So I want to show you some things this morning and almost uh, reiterate and piggyback off of my brother-in-law's message that he spoke two Sundays ago uh, on January 8th, Sunday morning, and it, it was entitled, I believe, Violent People, talking about going into prayer, okay, and how to pray. But this morning, I want to, I, I want to kind of go off of that and because he presented that so simply and motivating and inspiring, the message that he got from God, to pray with fervor, even if it's 10 minutes a day, to really pray like you believe and pray with some expectation. Well, this morning, I'm titling this message, and it's all going to go together with the restoration, and hopefully it all makes sense to you. I'm titling the message this morning, Know Your Audience, because... Whenever I speak anywhere, I have to be sensitive of who the audience is. I'm a weird guy, but sometimes that weirdness doesn't come out here, behind the pulpit, in front of adults. I have to know my audience. At school, it's a weird situation, because I know that students learn if they're engaged. I know that I can speak to the youth differently. There's several different methods that we could do to get points across. But how does that come in a church or anything? By the Spirit of God. So this is what we're doing. I'm, I'm really glad to see some visitors this morning. It's nice to see a crowd because this is, this is going to be uh, hopefully an unbelievable morning. I'm hoping by the power and the, and the Spirit of God. Um, we... Wednesday morning, November 16th, this year, 2007, at about 5.50 a.m., between then and 6 o'clock, my prayers changed. And I go through, I've been saved, like I said, this Sunday, now for 17 years, since 1995, so it's a roller coaster. And I can't imagine what it is like to be saved, and I'm 33 years old, so just kind of going from being a baby to my sophomore year in high school, just sitting in the back pew of church, not really understanding much, and just going through the tradition and the routine of church. Boring, stagnant, dry, meaningless, purposeless. So at that point, I decided I want more. So from there, it's been crazy. But do we leave God? Well, 80% or 90% of kids who have an encounter with God in high school abandon God after high school. So yes, we do leave God, but he doesn't leave us. The call of God's irrevocable, Romans 11.29 says. It's there. You just It's up to us to respond. So November 16th, my prayers changed. My outlook changed. I started at, like believing. I don't know why. There were some situations and things that I was tired of and sick of. I'm like, I know God. 
I know what he's capable of. I've seen the things that he's done. I've experienced them. I've been involved with them. It's personal to me. So what is wrong with me? You ever prayed that prayer? So I started believing. In January 16th, that point was kind of a, a, a marking point for me to, to not look back. I'm human. I will falter. I will do things. I will say things. I will think things that humans think, do, and say. But what does that mean to you? We have to continue to press on. We have to continue to push forward. Now listen, we have to know our audience when we pray and worship and when we read. You have to know who the recipient of the praise and the worship and the reading is. You have to know his capability. You have to know that he can. I don't care if he will, he can. Do you believe that this morning? So listen. We have to know our audience when we witness, when we go through a valley or have an impossible situation, go through a depression. Maybe a family member has passed away. We have to know our audience. You ever heard the phrase, I, I worship for an audience of one? Is that true? Or do we put on a display for people to see us so we can cover up our real lives? Who is your audience this morning? You have to know this person. You have to know what he's capable of doing. Are you going through sadness because of the loss of a loved one or praying for the salvation of a family member, maybe for years, months, or decades? Know your audience. Maybe you've given up. We're trying to save and restore an entire community. How do you do that? Well, first, you have to know your audience. And there's work involved because faith without it is dead. So we have to do some things. Or maybe try to raise a hilarious amount of money in a hilarious amount of time. Remember your audience. You have to remember your audience. You have to shift your thinking, your expectation, your language. He is God. Do you understand that this morning? So listen, there's I know you will versus I know you can. You have to know that he can. It doesn't matter if he does it. You have to know and believe and expect and pray like you know that he can. I was talking to my wife just yesterday or two days ago, and I was sitting at the, at, like, on the, by the, uh, she was on a couch and I was on the floor, and we were just holding hands and talking, and I'm like, babe, do you, do you really think it's possible for humanity not to have doubt? I see all these scriptures in the Bible, but it just seems like doubt because we're human creeps up. I believe, I believe, I believe, and somewhere in the back of your mind, whether it's microscopic, there's just a little bit of saying, there's a little bit of doubt that maybe he just can or won't or doesn't want to. Has anyone experienced that before? I don't know if it's impossible to have zero doubt as a human. Zero. Maybe you know. Maybe you've operated in that. I'll take some. But there's always just a little bit of wonder, a little bit of curiosity whether God's going to come through with something or not for you. Before we go to God with this type of prayer, you have to understand something. Psalm 512 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you will surround him as a shield. I've been praying for a lot of favor, but the condition is you will bless the righteous. There are certain scriptures that we cannot claim, quote, or expect to apply to us unless we first obey other scripture. So Psalm 24, 3 
Psalm 24, 3, verses 5, and a few verses there, 3 through 5 says, Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord, or who may stand in this holy place? You ever think about that when you go to pray or come to church, kind of check yourself? How long have you been praying and God hasn't been listening to you? Man, that's, that's scary, dangerous, and a waste of time maybe, you know? Who may stand in this holy place? Who has clean heart, who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully? He shall receive blessing from the Lord. That's what we're after, right? And righteousness from the God of his salvation. Righteousness, doing what's right, living right, and constantly pursuing and remaining righteous. Whether you fall or not, you get up. Because the Bible says the righteous man or woman falls over and over. They say seven times, but it's got to be a metaphor for a billion. Over and over again. But they get back up. David felt miserably, but quick to repent. And talked about a man being after God's own heart. He was king and all the other things that we talk about, David. The amazing things that he did. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Wow. Are you wasting your time praying? Listen to me. If you're living in sin, God can't hear you. All these other prayers that we hear where God bends an ear and the Lord will, I will call unto him and he will answer me and he will show me. But those don't apply to you if you're living in sin. He doesn't hear you. Well, It's what the word of God says. So how many prayers have we wasted? Because of living in a lifestyle of sin and not completely giving your life and faith over to Jesus Christ and trusting in Him, in him for absolutely everything, including your next breath and the very last day that you're on earth and everything in between. To regard means to see, sin, to see it, to look at it. Seeing and looking are different things. Seeing might not be a choice, but looking is. Are you with me? You inspect it. And you think maybe you can justify it. Because, listen, I pray for some pretty outrageous things. But I better make sure that I'm going into those prayers, those violent prayers, with an expectation. But I have to make sure my heart is pure, my hands are clean, and I'm forgiven, and I'm repented, and I'm not living the way that the Bible is talking about. For God to honor those prayers, and for all those other scriptures to apply. So, Regard also means to learn about it, to observe it. You know, scientifically observing, that's a lot of things, taking it in through all of your natural senses. So to find out about it, to give attention to it, to gaze on it, to present yourself to it. Regard iniquity, sin, transgressions, shortcomings. Do you regard them? If so, God doesn't hear us. So what kind of prayers do you have for God to heal this person or save that person or all these different things? What is your lifestyle? God won't hear you, but wow, when you're righteous before God, not perfect, perfect in his eyes is not perfection and, and flawless. You understand it's forgiven by the grace and the mercy of God and walking in holiness under the Lord. You will fall. 
Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I want that part. Confession. Forsake them. Have mercy. But if you cover them, you won't prosper. Are you stuck? I remember pastor talking about this a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. If God's not honoring or blessing, maybe you're covering sin. But what does cover mean? You're con- you are concealing it. You're hiding it. You're clothing it. You're covering it. So nothing is happening in your life. You feel like you're at a dead end. Whatever it's with, there's no hope. What are you covering? That's Scripture. But I'm telling you, once these things happen, you can go to God with some serious expectation. And it doesn't matter if He will. He can. Do you understand this morning? So listen, Hebrews, I'm sorry. Once you address, confront, confess, repent, then you're going to meet all the biblical criteria to enter in and petition the Lord. The Bible says, with all supplication, make your request known unto the Lord. But, I mean, I would at least know that God's hearing me. Don't you want to know that He's listening to you? So once we get a place of righteousness in God's eyes and we have that, and that's not perfection, we have access to the one then who breathes the stars and walks on waters and raises the dead and calms storms with his voice, heals the sick, binds the brokenhearted, exchanges beauty for ashes, breaks addictions, knows the number of hairs on our head, the clouds are the dust of this guy's feet, he's God. The earth is his footstool, the universe is in the palm of his hand, and now we can have an expectation that every Every prayer we pray is within the ability to him that can easily meet every need and request beyond Ed, our highest prayers, desires, or thoughts according to his will. He can. He can. Doesn't mean he will, but he can. Amen? But there are conditions. So now, anything that doesn't happen, we can't let it be because we didn't seek him. We can't just say, well, God's going to do whatever he wants anyway, so what's the point in praying about it. I believe there were a couple people in the Bible that changed God's mind. Do you remember that? Do you remember Moses? Do you remember the sun standing still? I mean, there's some powerful things that happened in the Bible that we don't really think are possible today. I've been talking to uh, the manager at We Love Pets. He was a former student of mine. He's like, I'm not sure about miracles happening today. He, he, he actually is really wanting to know more and more about God. And he's starting to believe. And he even texted me after we spoke a couple of months ago, and like two days later he said, I'm starting to believe in miracles because after we were in your car and you were talking to me at Starbucks, I said, just come on out. We got in the car and we spoke and we prayed. I prayed with him. He texted me and said, no one's ever prayed out loud for me. And two days after you prayed for me, this happened to our store. (laughs) So he's starting to believe. You just have to step out. So... It's always best when His will is displayed, not ours. So we're going to look at, at God's greatness a little bit this morning. And all you have to basically do is look up. And this is where the, in, the implementation integration of a little bit of the restoration comes in to the service. Where Remember, the theme this year is called displayed. God's beauty and, and love and creation and power and majesty displayed all throughout, all throughout the universe for you to see. And it was for you. It's for you. And His love, the ultimate display on the cross, was for you. And science and how we can really look at the Bible and the, science and God go, hand in hand. They're perfect with one another. But you have all kinds of professors and science teachers out there saying that's not true at all. They're exact opposite. You can't have, but it's, to- it's not, that's false. 
So we're going to show, I'm going to talk about some things. I know some of you have heard before, but some of you have not. But all you really have to do is look up. And when my, past, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were gone in California. They just got back last night. It's nice to have the, these guys back. And um, they're a little bit jet-lagged this morning, but they're here in support of the baby dedication, the restoration Sunday. But while they were gone, I took advantage of their hot tub a few times and, and uh, couldn't find any food. But anyway... Um, <laughs> took advantage of their hot tub a couple of times. And I'm telling you, I, he always talks about this, and we go over every now and then, but there was one night, I don't know if you guys saw, did you see, it might have been last Wednesday or like a few days ago, where the sky, did you see the heavens? Who saw that? I mean, you could see, I could point out like, I don't know how many constellations, everything was just lit up and bright. It was beautiful. And I'm like, that is the mark of God. It's the handiwork of God. It's everywhere. So obviously, when you go out and you look at that stuff, and you have all these needs or whatever they are, and you things that you're wanting God to do, or things you're believing for, or just want to be a better man or woman of God, you look up there and you're like, man, you spoke that stuff into existence when light came out of the flying out of your mouth at 186,000 miles per hour when you said, let there be light, and you spoke it there. And I'm wondering if you can take care of my situation. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. He's God. He can. So listen, all you have to do is look up. You see that the heavens declare the handiwork of God. I'm going to show you and go through some things, and I know some of you have probably heard these things before, but you'll hear a couple of things um, that you've heard before, and maybe a couple of things also. I'm trying to save some stuff for the restoration, but um, I want to show you this. It was something that I could do that I may or may not do at the restoration, but I knew that I could do this morning with the theme and the need that we have and so forth. So we're going to look at science a little bit. So the first slide I have for you is the Whirlpool Galaxy. If you look at this, they actually call this um, the darling of astronomy, and it's beautiful. This is located 31 million light years away. 31 million light years away. So you kind of need to know what a light year is. And to remind you, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And like I said before, when he said, let there be light, you might, some people say, I would have liked to have been there. No, you wouldn't have. When light came flying out of the mouth of God, it travels at 186,000 miles per second, and then everything came to be because of his voice. That's pretty powerful. So a light year, this is how far, you have to understand that like yardsticks and tape measures and meter sticks and all these things are useless when it comes to measuring God's work. Pointless. So you have to use something called a light year that he holds in the palm of his hand, probably very microscopically. Because one light year is how far light travels in one year. And if you paid attention in school, you would know that. You know, we've gone into light speed, Star Wars says, or all these different movies. I don't think so. It's way faster than what you may think. 186,000 miles per second. That's fast enough in one second to circle the Earth seven times. One 1,000, light around the Earth seven times. That's fast. We're talking about God, the one who can. So the light year is how far light travels in one year. So if you do the math, then light travel for 186,000 miles per second for, for a full year, it would go 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles. It is a measure of distance. So you have to understand that these other types of measures that we may have are useless when we get into the universe of God. I'm going to do something this morning you've probably heard of, but I wanted to serve as a reminder. So 
If you want to go to the Whirlpool Galaxy, all you have to do is travel at 186,000 miles per hour for 31 million years, and you will arrive at this beautiful galaxy. I do this, I do this because I actually give this presentation in school for my, for my students, minus the God part. But man, how powerful would it be if I could mention God? But I can't. It's still powerful, even without Him. Because the Bible says, you're without excuse. Check out my creation. I mean, it's unbelievable. When they hear this stuff, and I entitle this, this uh, little uh, session that I do with my kids at school, the lesson plan, Today I Shall Blow Your Mind. And I don't care if you're saved or not. They just look at the board and they're like, what? So I start getting on this stuff, it's unbelievable. So 5.88 trillion miles times 31 trillion. You do the math. You can do it on the way home if you're not going to have time. Calculator won't hold it. So so if you want to go there, that's all you would have to do. The Whirlpool Galaxy contains 300 billion stars and is one of hundreds of billions of other galaxies in the known universe. Because there's the known universe and the unknown universe that scientists are unable to even go to or figure out about with its space Hubble telescope. We don't know a lot. But what we do know is there's hundreds of billions of galaxies, and just in the, the, uh, the galaxy that we're talking about here, the Whirlpool Galaxy, we're at 300 million stars just in one galaxy. And we're going to check out four of those stars today. And I know some of you have heard this, but this is unbelievable. The, the Hubble Space Telescope takes images, and they shoot images across the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's difficult. I don't know if you know this. There's other galaxies I was listening to that take progressions of pictures, like a hundred and some thousand pictures in a row. They can put these pictures of these galaxies together, and from different areas it might, it might take hours and hours and hours and hours for each pixel, and there's 640,000 picture pi pixels in each photograph, and for one pixel to make it back to Earth, it takes hours and hours and days and sometimes one pixel, and there's 640,000 pixels in a picture and hundreds of thousands of millions of pictures that they do with this. It's unbelievable. So they shot an image, and this is just like God, of course, and I know you've seen neat things like this before, and you've probably maybe even seen this, but for those of you who haven't, and you are wondering about the handiwork of God that Psalms and the rest of the Bible talks about, they shot a picture and they found a black hole in the middle of the Whirlpool Galaxy, and in the center of the black hole, NASA and the Hubble telescope shot this picture back to Earth, and it looked like this. Is that crazy? Telling me God can't handle your situation? He's all over the place. This is documented with NASA. It's documented with the Space Hubble Telescope. That's in the middle of a black hole in the Whirlpool Galaxy, 31 million light years away. It's unbelievable. Well, I don't know if God can. You better believe he can. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, let me show you the Milky Way. This is our galaxy. Now, this is 100,000 light years across. That's 100,000 times 5.88 trillion miles across. Okay? Our solar system, listen to this, I don't have a quarter on me, but when you compare the size, this is our Milky Way galaxy. 
our solar system, we need to set, and I do this too, and tell the kids how long it would take to drive to different planets. It takes over 6,000 years to drive to the non-existing planet, now Pluto. If you were in a car going 60 miles an hour nonstop, it would take you over 6,000 years to drive there with no bathroom breaks and no food breaks. It's, that's just our solar system. But do you know that our solar system, our solar system is the size of a quarter compared to the Milky Way galaxy. Our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy is the size of a quarter compared to the entire northern continent of Canada and North America. Put a quarter somewhere, maybe in Kansas, and compare a quarter on the ground to the entire United States and Canada that's how big our solar system is in light of the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is a speck of dust in the sky in this neighborhood, I'll call it a sack right here in the Milky Way, that we call the universe, the known universe. Well, I just don't know if God can take care of, you better believe that he can. What, what have your prayers been? Man, I believe God for some crazy things, insane things. But... I think I think it's fun. <laughs> Whether it happens or not, it's it's fun. We'll get to it. Uh so the sun, let's look we're gonna just look at four four stars. That's all we're gonna look at. So let's start with the sun. We have a picture of the sun here. The sun is is burning a great ball of hydrogen and a little bit of helium and has solar flares that burst off. It takes eight minutes for light to get from the sun to our earth, traveling at 186,000 miles per second, bursts into the magnetosphere and it bursts in and mixes with all the gases that we have in our atmosphere and sometimes puts on beautiful displays of the aurora borealis and the northern lights that you can only see from, some, from certain parts of the world. And, I mean, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And this is our sun. If we were any closer than 93 million miles away, we'd burn up. If we were any further away, we couldn't live. It's perfect, but it's just random. Come on. Man, it takes more faith to believe in what I'm supposed to teach than what I believe. I mean, it's unbelievable. So we have the only star in our solar system. It's the only star in our solar system burning at 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit or 6,000 degrees Celsius, 93 million miles away, and the sun is one million times the size of Earth. One million times the size of Earth. Psalms 33 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host, it goes on to say, by the breath of his mouth. And pastor has mentioned this before. We serve and live for a star-breathing God. Did you know a star is born every second? And he's naming them all? <laughs> what? <laughs> Proven scientifically. There's a new star born every second. And God knows them all by name. Tell me an impossible situation you have. So listen, it's so intense that if we were to get any closer than 93 million miles, we couldn't survive. And this is only one star. So I know you've heard this before, but this is the part where my kids are like, wow. So the reference now we're going to use is a golf ball. And I know several of you have heard this, but be reminded this morning. If the earth were a golf ball, it could fit inside the sun 960,000 times. 
The earth can fit inside the sun 960,000 times. The earth is 12,500 in diameter, 25,000 miles in circumference. Somewhere you're on it trying to carve out a living and you maybe sometimes get emotional with situations that you can't handle. You're trying to, you have money troubles and, and relationship troubles and fitness goal trouble that we all seem to, are setting resolutions about and I just can't. <laughs> you you got to put God in proper perspective this morning. Don't limit my God. Don't put him in a box. Don't put him in a house that has no skylights or maybe has a skylight like Pastor talks about where you can only see the sky from the skylight. Walk outside and look at the starry hosts that he breathed out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. Knows them all by name. And by the way, since the beginning of time, there's been a star born every second and he knows them all by name as well. And he's going to continue to name them to eternity. Who is like our God? If, if, the, if the earth were a golf ball, then the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. Now, do you see the speck of the earth on the screen? That's the earth and the sun. You see how small the earth is. This screen, I believe, are these 12 by 12s? These screens are 12 foot by 12 feet. So that you, may, you would have to actually add feet to the left and to the right of this screen and make the sun as big as it would fill up and hold a golf ball up to it, and that's the earth compared to the sun. Fitting inside the earth 960,000 times. That's enough golf balls to fill a school bus. Top to bottom, back to front, kids who ride the bus to school. That's enough golf balls. You could fill that school bus with 960,000 golf balls, and that's how many earths fit inside the sun. Second star we're going to talk about, and this one, this one should blow your mind. I don't care. Every time I hear this, it blows my mind. When I started preparing for all the stuff that we're doing for the restoration back in October, it's usually about a six-month devotion to every year for the past however many years that we've done this. And the preparation, especially with this stuff, even though I'm a science teacher, I hear this stuff over and over again, and, and it's really the, the doubt starts to diminish, Right? At least the doubt to where, you know, I don't know if you will, God, but wow, I know that you can. So listen to this. The second star, um, Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse, um, is this is a picture of Betelgeuse in the night sky. And you can see it. Betelgeuse is actually 427 light years away. That's 427 times 5.88 trillion miles away. That's Betelgeuse. If we, if we get a little bit of a closer picture, you can see Betelgeuse that we've brought in to a little bit of focus. And, and uh, they, they do this at NASA. They're constantly looking at these things. And it's awesome because it gives pe people like me, a science teacher, some great content at school. But, man, when I can throw God into the mix, it, it's unbelievable to know that God created all of this. And you just want to shout it from the top of your lungs to every biology and chemistry teacher and every earth and space science teacher and geologist that... God is real. He's alive. And we're like, well, and the Bible says, after all this, who is man that you are mindful of him? And he is. He's intimately acquainted with every situation in your life. Who is God? So this is 427 light years away. Listen to this. This star 
is twice the size. I always say to the students, you think I'm going to say the sun. This star is twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. And we're 93 million miles away. It's twice the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. This star is so big that if the Earth were a golf ball, Beetlejuice would be the height of six Empire State buildings on top of each other. That's supposed to be really impressive. This is a view of Midtown Manhattan of this Empire State Building. It's actually half the size of the Dubai Building that was in the Mission Impossible 4. It's half the size of that building. But imagine five more Empire State Buildings on top of this one. And then you go to New York, you get out of the subway, you walk up to 34th Street, and you get out your golf ball, and you set it on the sidewalk. It's okay, everybody's crazy in New York. You won't look crazy. And you set it down on the sidewalk, and you look up at the Empire State Building, and then maybe you go right underneath it, and you look straight up. And you imagine five more Empire State Buildings on top of it, and there's your golf ball. That's the earth compared to this star, Beetlejuice. And somewhere you're on it, struggling over finances and debt and whether you're called by God or not or struggling with sin or trying to make a living. So we have, th this would be, listen to this. You, you can fit 262 trillion earths inside of Beetlejuice. 262 trillion Earths inside of Beetlejuice. If the Earth were a golf ball, it would be enough to fill the Superdome where the New Orleans Saints play football. It would be enough to fill the Superdome with golf balls, left to right, top to bottom, every square inch taken up with golf balls. It could fill the Superdome 3,000 times. You would need 3,000 Superdomes to fill the Earth inside of Beetlejuice. A golf ball in 3,000 Superdomes filled, maxed out. That's how big the Earth is compared to this star, Betelgeuse. The third star we're going to talk about is Musifi. This is formerly known as the Herschel's Garnet Star. You can see it in the night sky on the top left there, kind of shining in all its splendor and glory, and not even to mention all the clusters of the stars there that God just spits out and speaks, loves them, and the stars praise God, and and, and they... I mean, they, they, you know, there's, we don't have a medium in space, but they've hooked up the equipment in the heavens. NASA has been able to do this and to create pulsars. And the, I mean, these things have to obviously make noise. There's ferocious balls of gas. It's not twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what it's. We know what you are. You are a mean, huge, ferocious star that's burning like crazy. And there's a lot of activity going on up there, all because of God speaking it into existence to display, to display his splendor for you. And then science comes along and tries to ruin it all, and now you're left with a choice, to believe or not to believe. But science is also proving God's existence, and a lot of scientists that set out to disprove a lot of things end up becoming born again anyway. So you have... The third star is Musifi, formerly known as Herschel Garnet Star. There's a picture in the night sky, so we have um, the, the star just kind of burning there, Musifi. If the Earth were a golf ball, 
this star would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges. You're going to have to go to San Francisco, get out of the airport, get a cab, cross the bay, go into Oakland, look down on the Golden Gate Bridge after you put your golf ball down at the beginning of one end, and then imagine another Golden Gate Bridge at the end of that Golden Gate Bridge. And by the way, the Golden Gate Bridge is 1.7 miles long, so we're talking 3.4 miles long. And then at the end of one side is your little golf ball, and somewhere you're on it. That's how big the earth is compared to Musifi. And God can't do what you're trusting him to do this morning? So check this out. We're going to wrap up here in just a, a couple of minutes, and we'll kind of go into some other things. But you got to understand the difference between these numbers because it, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of a trillion before, a billion before. Or a you know that a billion is a thousand millions, a, 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 a trillion is a thousand billions, and a quadrillion is a thousand trillions. Kind of understand that, and you don't really. I don't really understand any much more money than what's in my checkbook, or you know, the national debt. I don't. I won't get you know Chase and my wife and people who are in politics and poli sci and teach classes. You don't want to talk about that stuff. And people who are you know former stockbrokers, you look into money in big amounts. You know, hundreds of thousands. You might know millions, but when someone's a billionaire, it's a little different. So let me put this in perspective. A million seconds ago, my students just can't believe this. A million seconds ago. 12 days ago. It's pretty neat, right? A million seconds ago was 12 days ago. What'd you do a million seconds ago? So I'm thinking, okay, a billion seconds ago, we're going back to like maybe last summer or a couple, a few months ago or whatever, maybe a couple weeks ago. A billion seconds ago was October of 1977. Starting to understand when I'm telling you how many Millions or billions or quadrillions of Earths fit inside these stars. A million seconds ago, 12 days ago. A billion seconds ago, October of 1977. I'm not even a billion seconds old. I was born in 78. This is unbelievable. Put God in perspective this morning. If someone's a millionaire, there's a lot of them. But if someone's a billionaire, they don't. what are they going to do with all that money? The Bible says... Generous with. Too much is given. So a trillion seconds ago, you're like, dude, we're going back to like the 1800s for sure now. So I can understand. I can understand a million and a billion now. So we're going back to like the Midwest and Wild Wild West and those types of days, or maybe when they signed the Declaration of Independence. A trillion seconds ago is 29,700 BC. A quadrillion seconds ago is 30,800,000 years ago. We're talking, God is, God is a big God. He's creating stars that the earth fits inside of 262 trillion times. This is all documented. You can find this stuff on NASA sites and all these different things that all the research has done. The last star we're going to talk about is, it was actually just discovered a few years ago. And it's the largest star that they've ever found, and it has kind of a cool name proving that it's it's large. This is what science has named it. Now, you know, God has probably different names for all these stars, and I, I can't wait to get to heaven and say, well, what's that one's name? And then we still have, like, I don't even know what what a high number would be. Uh, a gargantuan ilium? I mean, I don't even know, like, how to describe 
how, you could you could actually count stars for like millions and millions of years and never ever ever come to the end of counting stars. I just want to know a few of their names, you know. So the last star, maybe we'll have that knowledge in heaven to be able to memorize all the names of the stars. I doubt it. Um, the last star, the name is Canis Majoris. Just sounds like the top dog star. And here's a picture of it in the night sky. Um, if the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. You would have to actually go and fly to Kathmandu, Nepal, make the climb. And I know, Chad Martin, that's something you've been wanting to do, maybe something, a dream, lifelong thing, climb Everest. I don't know if Kylie and your new daughter will allow that. Kylie's shaking her head no. Kylie is SMHing. And uh, um, so if the earth were a golf ball, you would have to go Kathmandu to Paul, get off the plane, organize all of your information. They have base camps at like 17,000 feet, 20-some thousand feet. And you'd have to climb almost six miles above sea level, unzip the parka, get your golf ball out, set it down. And that is the size of the earth compared to Mount Everest. It's unbelievable. God is a big God. So to put it in a little bit more, you can start that video. We'll just look. Um, and there's, there shouldn't be any sound on it. But if you, if you um, just kind of look, this is a planet and stars to scale. You can see it's not going to go up to Canis Majoris, which is bigger than the last one. But um, you can see Mercury go by. And we actually just did planet reports. And a lot of cool information came from my kids in class. And there's Venus, which is Earth's sister planet. It looks a little similar uh, to Earth as far as the composition. and uh, not the composition, but the, the size. And, and then there's the Earth, and then you have Neptune, which is kind of a ball of liquid nitrogen and gas, and these gas planets start to come into play, big oceans of nitrogen. And, and then when this fades out, you're not going to see Earth start to actually fade away. You're going to see Neptune start to fade away, and Earth is just very minuscule to that. And then you have uh, Saturn and Jupiter is very large, and then there's our sun, the star that's in our solar system which is a million times bigger than Earth, and then Sirius and Pollux. These aren't even the stars that we spoke about, but you can see them as they go by. House. I mean, this is not an attempt to make you feel small. It's to let you know you are small. And God is big. Rigel. We have, and then the first star that we talked about, Betelgeuse. And you can see it just engulfs Rigel, and the Earth fits inside of Betelgeuse trillions of times, and then Antares, and then it goes to the stars that we talked about with um, Masifi, and then another star that's similar, that W. Sifi. And then after that would be Canis Majoris, the largest star that they found. But you can see that this is just unbelievable. So I want you to, to, to put God where he, he belongs this morning. He's big. He's bigger than all of our problems. He's bigger than all of our situations. He's bigger than any addiction or need of healing or financial problems or relationship problems, struggles, self-confidence that some of our young ladies struggle with, with eating disorders and all the various things that plague this little world, by the way, is a golf ball and is very, 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 very small. It's a speck of dust in the sky. So I want to tell you a story, 
and we're, we're going to have an opportunity to minister uh, to God this morning and him to us. But let me just read you this. This is kind of what I've been doing for a, a few days. But in a recent email, I read about a woman named Pam who knows the pain of considering abortion. More than 24 years ago, she and her husband, Bob, were serving as missionaries to the Philippines, praying for a fifth child. Pam, Pam contracted amoebic dysentery, an infection of the intestine caused by a parasite found in contaminated food or drink. She went to a coma and was treated with strong antibiotics before they were discovered she was pregnant. Doctors urged her to abort the baby for her own safety and told her that the medicines had caused irreversible damage to her baby. She refused the abortion and cited her Christian faith as the reason for her hope that her son would be born without the devastating disabilities physicians predicted. Pam said the doctors didn't think of it as a life. They thought of it as a mass of fetal tissue. While pregnant, Pam nearly lost their baby four times, but refused to consider abortion. She recalled making a pledge to God that her, with her husband that if you will give us a son, we'll name him Timothy and we'll make him a preacher. Pam ultimately spent the last two months of her pregnancy in bed and eventually gave birth to a healthy baby boy, August 14, 1987. Pam's youngest son is indeed a preacher. He preaches in prisons, makes hospital visits, and serves with his father ministry in the Philippines. He has also plays football. Pam's son is Tim Tebow. So here we go. Um. So let me, let me read you this as well. This is kind of neat. The day after former Broncos QB Jake Plummer said in a radio interview that he wished that a man currently taking the snaps in Denver, Tim Tebow, would just curb his references to Jesus Christ and his faith. A lot of people were telling him to shut up. Maybe he is overexposed. And they were saying that he, you don't have to tell us about Jesus all the time and how much you love him. We know we get it. But that's all he does. Tebow responded, if you're married and you have a wife and you really love your wife, is it good enough to only say to your wife, I love her the day you get married? Or should you tell her every single day when you wake up in every opportunity? That's how I feel about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Is that it's the most important thing in my life. So anytime I get an opportunity to tell him that I love him or given an opportunity to shout him out at a na on national TV, I'm going to take that opportunity. And so I look at it as a relationship that I have with him that I want to give him the glory and, glor and the glory anytime I have the opportunity. So that's whether you like the guy or not, it seems to be people in our land love him or hate him, but it seems he seems to be, to me, a pretty solid guy. I don't know if some there, there's a couple people that, I mean, I've talked to so many people, but maybe one or two, and they were girls, but a lot of girls even know who he is. They, someone said, when I mentioned Tim Tebow, she said, a what? What's a Tebow? So obviously there are some people that don't really know who this guy is, but but let me... uh. Let me tell you a little story very quickly, um, and then we will get on to, to what we're doing for the rest of the service, and we do want to have a time of, of ministry. I have been, obviously, thinking and praying about the restoration for a while now, and usually the day after the restoration last year, we start thinking of things we can do for this year and changes and make it better, and, you know, even concentrating on the simplicity of the event, but also 
making it something to remember and really uh, catering to the, you know, the multimedia approach to our kids and really pulling them in and so forth, um, I started thinking about this theme. And a few months back, I thought, man, with the display, because the, the, the one of the sessions I'm planning on doing talks about once you have this encounter and, and this, this display that you realize this display is for you and the ultimate display on the cross is for you. And once you have that encounter and God changes you and puts a hunger and a desire in you and you feed that hunger with reading the word and cultivating that relationship with love and worship and prayer and reading, and it starts to build God is going to get in a position where he's going to put you on display and show you off. Wherever you are, big or small venue, doesn't matter. He wants to put you on display. He chooses to use people to glorify his name, to have ambassadors and representatives from heaven temporarily on earth, what we're supposed to be passing through, it's not our home, representing and pointing all glory to this God that breathes out stars and puts all this stuff on display. And I thought, man, because Romans 12, 2, one of, the, one of the versions talks about, you know, be not conformed to your mind, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it talks about being a demonstration. You're God's demonstration. You're a walking demo. We hear walking billboard. Who has been more displayed in the, in the United States than Tim Tebow? He's everywhere. Probably overexposed. I get it but it's pretty cool with the reason. And he, and the story that I read to you about the abortion, I promise we'll name him Timothy and he'll be a missionary for you. How, that's powerful. Pretty powerful. He's, he's doing it. He's choosing to, to do this. He, he's, you know, on the news for saving himself from marriage. He's mocked. He's laughed at. I mean, you know what it was like if you're a guy growing up in locker rooms, I mean, through high school or college or whatever, but at the, to continue that through the pro level and have a locker room atmosphere, basically from kids who grow up in sports or playing sports from, you know, four, five, six years old all the way, like him, he's 24, almost 25, I think, maybe this year. But, I mean, it's a long time in locker rooms. I don't even want to know what goes on in locker rooms and the talk and the speech and the joking. And he is a beacon of hope to the NFL. You know, he's number three most respected and talked about in NFL history. Number three. Tom Brady's number six. He's number three. And it's because of his faith. He's doing all these things that everyone said he couldn't do. Two national championships and the Heisman Trophy as a sophomore at Florida. Now his coach, Urban Meyer, who's saved, is now coming to Ohio State. So maybe that'll be, I'll get to that in a second, but so we have, he, I don't know if you knew this, but he wore Philippians 4.13 on his eye uh, st uh, stickers and um, his eye black, and he wore that for years. And then one day they were going into a big game, and he changed it to John 3.16 because he felt God just telling him, that's the whole gospel, not just that I'm your strength. Let's put the gospel under your eyes. This is the gospel message. So he said, that's the essence of it all. So he put that on there, and his coach called him into the locker room said, what are you doing? We've, we've won. We're doing great. You can't switch that now. And he said he believed that through prayer, God did that. And he told him. Of course, you know the end result. It was fine. His, all of his players were saying, even unsaved, what are you doing? You can't switch that now. We're about to have a game. It was like the day of the game. He switched. He felt God told him to do it. You know the outcome. It ended up great. Two days later, 48 hours. 
John 3.16 was Googled 94 million times. That's pretty cool from going to supposed to be aborted as a baby. What an influence. Who wants their life to count on whatever level you're at? I do. So listen, we have an opportunity to have Tim Tebow at the restoration this year. It is a huge undertaking. I want you to hear me out. You don't have to say in your head, I wonder if he knows that he's insane. I know. I'm fully aware of it. I've looked into everything. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to approach me and say, have you thought of it? You don't think I've thought of all of this. So last week, last Friday, I start to get in touch. And I found out that Tim Tebow is speaking with John Maxwell, great leadership uh, guy that's been around forever. He's speaking with him the third week of April at Mount Vernon, or uh, Ohio Christian University, formerly uh, Cedarville Bible College, Circleville Bible College. And he's speaking there on that third week of April. So I call them. I'm like, God, I don't know. Just, I'm not going to know anything unless I try. I don't care what it is. You know what? Kind of having fun. Whether he will, I know he can. You with me? Listen to me. I'm not going to ask you for a million dollars today's offering. Just don't. That's not where I'm going with this. Ask me for 800000 Anyway, um, I'm kidding. Listen to me. So I, I, I get on this and I call this lady. She can't give out any information. We're used to this booking, management companies, booking companies being tossed around. We've been doing this for a few years now with bands and, and negotiating and deals and riders and contracts and all these things. And, of course, I'm nervous as heck, but I'm like, November 16th, everything changed for me. I told you that. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's try. Because I tell my kids every day, no effort equals no success. So I don't want to wonder, man, would it could have it happened? I don't know. So we're going to do everything we can. If it happens, miracle. If it doesn't, we're having the restoration anyway, and we're doing what we already have planned. Okay? So the opportunity has progressed, and I found a website, and I'm looking at the prices, the fees, and the honorariums, and I'm, like, passing out because of celebrities, and I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, puke, or whatever. I'm telling you, wait till you hear these, these, this information. So she said, well, I can't give you any information. So I find this website where you can submit an email, and that's it. And they might maybe even look at it. So I'm like, let's be persistent. Let's spam the heck out of these guys. And we will, I'm going to get my classes involved at, at the school. We had laptops out. In two classes, we sent like 100 emails asking Tim Tebow to come to the restoration March 2nd and 3rd. And, and we didn't even know if he was available. And we're like, what? This is, this is ridiculous. So that happened, and then a couple of days later, we did that last Tuesday. Wednesday morning, I get a phone call during fifth period. My kids are updated, so they see me rush out of the room. So, so I, I take the call because I recognize the area code, and I say, hello, I know who it is. Um, but then again, I didn't know who it was, and it ends up being the agency that just picked Tebow up three or four months ago an agency we've worked with in the past for two of our bands. I know the guys. I know the person I'm speaking with. 
I know the person above him. So it's starting to roll, and I'm like, don't tease me. So, so we get to a point, we get to a point Wednesday where he says to me, now just listen to me. He says to me, we have good news. He is available to speak. He's the most requested speaker in the United States right now and almost the globe. Okay? He only speaks maybe two months out of the year because of what he does. So to get him is a miracle. And he's only going to go to the events that are going to give the most money because he only speaks at a couple of events. He has to. It's not necessarily his decision. It's the agency's decision. But every money that he gets, he gives to the children's hospital that he's building in the Philippines where his mom gave birth and he was supposed to be aborted. All the money goes there. Is it a lot of money? Yeah. Were we even close with an offer? Not even close. But I don't care. This is exciting and I'm having fun. I, if you don't want me to have all the fun, I'm going to maybe ask and see if there's some things to do. And I think you're going to be encouraged in just a moment. So he's available to speak at one of our days. You understand that I I trust God. I trust God can do whatever he wants with this. We can have a normal restoration, have anywhere from 800 to 1,000 kids, have it a secret secret auditorium. This this is all going to happen regardless of what happens with Tim Tebow. We'll struggle to get 800 or 1,000 kids, but we'll get them. We'll probably break even financially. If we get Tim Tebow, I don't even know how to describe what's going to happen. And it could be an opportunity that could blow up for future restorations because there's a lot of kids that won't go to the restoration because they think that it's a bunch of hypocrites gathering together. They think it's just a bunch of church and preaching and boring stuff. But if there's a Lord that gets them there, and it's not going to be a Christian band because secular kids don't care about Christian bands. Switchfoot is forty to $50,000 to have them play for an hour. Why would I go after that when it's not going to bring anybody in? Make sense? Because only Christians know about Switchfoot. Some, some other people do, but you're not going to have a huge crowd because of Switchfoot. Didn't happen with Pillar, right? So we have to shift our focus and our investment in what we're doing, at least the attempts. Which, by the way, this, without Tim Tebow, this will be the cheapest restoration we've ever done. But with with Tim Tebow, I'm going to ask you for a million dollars. Anyway, um, so here's how it's progressed. I took the phone call and he said, look, if you you offered five, ten, or fifteen thousand dollars, that's not even a drop in the bucket. He gets anywhere from fifty to seventy thousand dollars for speaking engagements, but he gives all of his money to the Philippines. I've had a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy. That's okay. You don't I know. It's okay, but I'm telling you, it's fun. So here's what happened. So Wednesday I get off the phone. He says, Look, don't spin your wheels. This management company's saying, Don't spin your wheels if it's not gonna happen. Because you're not even going to be close. We can't entertain and offer. He only speaks a couple of times. He's raising, giving all this money here. Blah, 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 blah. It's Tim Tebow. Of course he's a high amount. He's the third most requested person to speak in the nation and arguably the globe. Okay? 
right now, the most talked about in sports history almost. So in such a short period of time. So I get off the phone and I go home from school and I'm like, God, here we go. So I made about 20 phone calls on Wednesday after school. After I made those 20 phone calls, I called that agent back and I said, look, after two hours of effort, we're up to this much money. I said, wow. And I said, and I said uh, to him, I said, you have to give us a shot here. And if you get somebody else who wants him, you have to tell us and we'll either bag it up, it's done, or we'll at least know how short we are or we'll just we'll throw it away or whatever. You got to let me know that someone else wants him if they want him for that date. If not, and we raise all this money, and then you book him without me knowing, that's that's not fit. you got to give me a shot here. And he said, if we get anybody else that calls, I will call you immediately and say we have another pending offer. So he's going to give us a shot. So Thursday, I had ski club. I had to go up to Mansfield to snow trails and ski. I didn't. I stayed in the lodge, um, which was really hard for me, Chase. Um, and the conditions were awesome. Thursday night, man, they were beautiful. Star was there. She helps with Zanesville Ski Club. They were beautiful. It was cold, but man. So from 5 to 8 at Snow Trails in the Lodge, continued working. Skied for about an hour and a half afterwards from 8 to 9.30. Got a few more dollars, went home. School was canceled the next day. I put on Facebook, I think that it may be an ordained cancellation from God to allow me to go into the city. Bad weather or not. So I hit up 44 businesses on Friday from 11 to 7. Spoke to 44 different people. The rudest one was a Christian business owner of a Christian company. Nobody else was rude. Okay? You see how the perception could look? That's why. I don't think people know Jesus. So so what happened was after that day, we texted pastor all kinds of information. That, that I get Friday morning, I wake up and, and a local youth pastor texts me and says, where are you at? You need to get down here. So I said, you, you need to put me on speakerphone. Is, uh, is uh, Brian Hill here? State Representative Brian Hill, former county commissioner, right? Uh, Brian Hill was able to make it this morning. See, he starts spinning his wheels thinking, this would be awesome. Awesome for the restoration. Awesome for the city, awesome for the community, awesome for our kids, awesome for our town. This is a pretty monumental thing that we could put some effort into. And I'm thinking, God, what, seriously? We're really going to do this because I know the undertaking. So to be, you know, to have a goal of uh, 50 grand or more, you know, we got to get to 50 grand. That's addition to the restoration. So he puts me on speakerphone with Terry Martin himself, the mayor, couple of youth pastors and some meet, some people who were there, and I'm giving them information, and they're thinking, all right, so they've organized a meeting for tomorrow night here at the Fellowship Hall for some leaders at 5.30, and we're going to discuss what we can do here at, uh, at the Fellowship Hall at 5.30 tomorrow night. So that is what we are going to be doing there. Um, so what's going, so it's kind of happening. So just <laughs> let me tell you this. I was handed a couple of checks this morning. And after, no joke, two, five, 12 hours, after 12 hours of effort, just 12 hours of effort, were over $12,000 raised, okay? Now, that's only like two and a half days. 
Could they get a call tomorrow and say he's booked? Yes, and I've told these people through this letter that anyone can take afterwards if they know anybody that would give, which I've only made like 50, so it's got to be serious givers. It can't be, you know, I'll give a dollar. I know everything counts, but we got to know this fast. We need some big givers. We do. Now, what I've also decided to do and after talking to Pastor is that every dollar raised today is going to go to Tim Tebow for the restoration. If we don't get them, it just becomes a restoration offering. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so that's what we're doing. Say we double it, we're almost at 25,000, okay? Within the next few days, if we get the right people, doctors and, and people in the community, what, what's, what's $15,000, honestly? Um, then, so I'll start it and I'm thinking, I saw on Facebook some posts from uh, a friend of the family and I'm thinking, man, this person is really in major support of Tebow. And, and I know what this person does. I know what she does. And she's kind of a, a news affiliate. She gets interviews. And she, she's able to maybe bring this to the attention of the news, maybe a small way or potentially a large way. So we communicated. And she's in New York City where she's a, um, for Fox News Channel Network. And she's in charge of over all the interns there. Um, looking for other jobs to further her career. And she just, she actually, I think I saw the story I read to you second about his response to Jake Plummer. I saw that on her wall. And I see things on her wall a lot. She's been wanting to get an interview with Tim Tebow. She's a Christian. Um, she's from Coshocton. She's lived in California. She's now in New York City working for Fox News. And if you could just stand up real quick, Ashley. This is Ashley. Ashley is here today with us trying to, thanks Ashley, trying to get a story and break this and get the, get the attention of Tim Tebow on a local community that doesn't have fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 of someone who could underwrite the whole thing. Maybe they do. We just got to find them. We do, maybe. I'm sure we do. We just got to find them and see if they're in support of it because they're supporting a Christian or children's hospital. They're supporting the restoration. They're supporting the community of Zanesville and so forth. But she's going to try to do the best she can to produce a story on this, whether it be small. She drove here seven hours from New York City yesterday morning. She's visiting family. Her mother and two sisters are here this morning. And she kind of wants to make a big deal out of this. Um, but it's, 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 kind, it's kind of happening. I know I'm ridiculous, but I don't, I'm going for it. And I need some other people in this room to say, you know what? Go for it. Listen, if you're going to come up to me and say, ah, that's too much money. I know it's too much money. I don't think really you should ask. I know that, but I'm going to. Well, I, I wouldn't do that. Well, you're not. I'm having fun with it. And I got to talk to 44 business owners and managers in Zanesville on Friday, and I had some great discussions about God. I was able to pray with some of them, pray for their businesses, and it was awesome connections. And they said, we're going to give you this much, and even if he doesn't come, I didn't know about this event, you can keep our money anyway. Because we're saying if we don't get him, your pledge, you can keep it or we'll give it back. And they're saying, this is a great thing. You can just keep it. So listen. How do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Let's do it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I believe that this is a guy worth going after, and it's going to bring in kids 
high schools, junior highs, call it's going to bring, I mean, it could bring in a lot of people. And then Terry Martin said, well, I'll check on the days, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. You can move it instead, instead of having this at Seacrest, which we haven't signed a contract yet. We have to go in and meet this week. I'm going to say, give me a couple more days. Um, but what's going to happen is that he said, well, instead of maybe maxing out at 1800 you can save $5,000 on Seekers for those three days, and you can have it at the New Zanesville High School gym, build all your stuff in there, and we can fit over 3,000 people. So it seems like people are wanting to make this happen. It seems like it. I can't have a stand-around Steve or a do-nothing Debbie. I can't. We can't have it. Listen. Get on board. This could be, this could be a pretty neat thing. To preach the gospel through Tim Tebow, couple sessions through myself, through the bands, through a local mission connection we're doing with Chase on Saturday at the Restoration. It's going to be powerful. We have Compassion International, um, and this is amazing. By the way, the lead singer of Hearts of Saints, Craig, even had a part to play in this puzzle of getting him here as well, with just a domino effect of connections. I know what time it is, but this is exciting, isn't it? So here we go. Um, this is where we are. So what we want to do is I want to, for the offering, uh, the gentleman, if you could come forward. And what I want you to do while they're on their way forward, just kind of slow down for a second. While they're on their way forward, if you don't have money to give today, hold up. We have a pledge card. It looks like this. It asks for name, amount, address, business name, if that applies to you, because it's a write-off. And for certain amounts at 153, 600, and 1,000, we're going to sponsor the heck out of your business, give you some free tickets, and so forth. Think about that, okay? Name, business name, address, home phone, cell phone, email. And then it says, please have your monetary gift at the end of that, given back by February 5th. That's two weeks from today, okay? So what I need you to do is I need you to... Uh, just wave your hand and say, give me a pledge card because I'm not prepared to give cash or check today. Put Lift it up high, please. Uh, I believe there are 100 pledge cards that we can pass out. Hopefully that will accommodate. Hopefully it won't accommodate. Um, but if you put your hand up, they will get that to you. You can think and very quickly uh, decide and pray what you want to give, whether it's 5 bucks, 20 bucks. Um, if you're one of the big givers and God has blessed you, listen, we need it. We We need it. It's as simple as that. If you're like, well, we have a savings, but we're saving it for a nest egg, and, you know, it's kind of like, well, just consider. Consider. Consider stepping out in faith 50 bucks if that's faith for you. If 20 bucks is like major faith for you, awesome. Okay? But if you're like, you know what? We've been really blessed. I could actually pledge $1,000 today. We, we need that. And I know some of you were prepared to do that. This is an exciting opportunity. We've talked to a number of, number of churches. We've already have, had a couple of churches in the community already give $1,000. Um, so it's who've never given, who some of them have saying, well, we, were, we weren't even really sure what the restoration, they've never been to the restoration, and they found out, and they found out about Tebow, and they're like, we're going to go ahead and give this. There's a, couple, there's a lot of churches downtown that don't know what to do with all the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that they sit on. Do you know that? It's true. A lot of connections have been made. They're like, well, we have $960,000 in our account. We just, we got to get approved. We don't know what to do. We like to do things in the community. But we just, can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting to heaven with a bank account in your church of over a million dollars and not doing anything with it? You know, some of the most famous people we know die with 30 bucks in their pocket, but they've wasted their life for the gospel. 
So thank you in advance. This is what we're going to do. There's going to be also an opportunity here in just a second. We're, we're going to thank God. We're going to praise God. We're going to pray for a minute, and then we'll be able to close. So what I'm going to ask you to do, where, where's the uh, handheld mic? Um, Tom Moore, if you could come up here, that would be great. We're going to have you pray for the restoration. Tom and Debbie have a lot to do with the restoration. They they uh, order all the merchandise for us, and they print the shirts, and um, and they've been very uh, they've been great at that. So we're going to have Tom pray for that. He's he is sewn into it. He's a part of it. We know that a lot of you sew into it. Um, we're going to have Tom pray for the restoration, specifically for this offering today. So thanks, Tom. <laughs> 